You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Saint. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. Chris read a scripture a moment ago from the prophet Isaiah that he had saw the glory of the Lord in the temple of the Lord and, and there was a troubled time that caused him to go to the temple. Uzziah was his first cousin, if I understand correctly, and Uzziah had died and it left his job in jeopardy and he found himself going to church, going to the temple, and when he got to the temple he saw the, the glory of the Lord. He saw him seated on the throne and smoke filled the room and the columns and the pillars shook and he realized when he saw God how wrecked he was. And he said, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and you know, all of that. But then at the end of that experience, and that's really not my text, I want to get to another place this morning, but I want to expand upon that, that when he realized how wrecked he was and who he was, but yet the Lord took a coal from off the altar and purged his iniquity, and then your iniquity is now taken away. And then he heard the Lord say, whom shall we send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah, after having been touched by the Lord, said, Here I am, Lord. You can send me. Amen. Here I am, Lord. You can send me. Now, I want to tell you, we don't see that too often anymore where men and women and children are saying, Okay, Lord, here I am. My life and everything I am, I lay in your hands. I want you to understand today, if you don't get anything else, that God is still calling men and women, listen to me, let me deal with this first, to full-time ministry. God is still calling teenagers, He's still calling girls and boys and men and women into the ministry. That being said, He's calling others that maybe you're not going to be full-time in the ministry, but you're going to be a, a, a counselor or an educator or someone who works as an arm of the church. You are the church, by the way. There are those who are called to do what I do. There are those who are called to do what Adam does behind the keyboard and leading in music. It's far more than just playing the piano. He would tell you that's the easy part and the fun part. Amen? There are those who, like... Josh are are leading youth and connections and all of that. But then there are so many more things out there that God is reaching for. And God is still looking for men and women and boys and girls that will sell out and say, God, here I am. Send me. Now, if I may, I want to expound upon that. I want you to know that God called me... uh, to preach the gospel from the earliest days of my recollection. I remember feeling that I was called to preach whatever that meant, Brother Ray. I always heard that terminology in the church, and so I felt like it was drawing me. I didn't, you know, but my dad was a preacher, and you say, well, you just got it on. I said, well, listen, I know some guys whose dad was preachers, and they aren't preachers. In fact, uh, I was close to the ministry and the operation of the ministry. I was raised in the church. I was taught the Bible from my earliest recollection, from my earliest days. I cut my teeth on church pews before we had chairs like these. Are y'all hearing me say amen? I was pretty knowledgeable about uh, the Word of God and the Scriptures. And I had a dad that modeled faithfulness par excellence. As far as I don't care what was happening at the church, I don't care who was being 
kicked or talked down. I had a dad that modeled and he exhibited before me and demonstrated faithfulness to God regardless what. And one day God called me. I was a freshman at Kendrick High School in Columbus, Georgia. It was on a Sunday night. Pastor Darrell Glass, who's gone on to be with the Lord now in 2005, he had preached a powerful message as he always did right there at the Floyd Road Church of God. He was praying for people in the altar. And on the very front row, about uh, where Aaron is at right now, Pastor was down there, and the stage wasn't this big or this high, but I was there, and he was praying for people. And right there on the front row, and my best friend seated beside me, Jerry Macon was his name, he was seated right there. Uh, um, Daryl looked at me, Pastor Glass looked at me, and called my name. The amazing thing was Jerry sitting right there beside me had come to my window a week or two before and tapped on my window after midnight in my bedroom and he was wanting me to sneak out of the house with him but it was one of those times as a teenager you know what you're on an emotional roller coaster it seemed like but I was on one of those real high God moments I was laying in my bed I'd been praying I had been doing my best to sing I had been doing all of those things and I found myself praying in the spirit I found myself crying out and wailing before God on my bed Jerry tapped on the window and pushed it up a little bit and he had seen what was going on. I was lost in prayer and praise and later Jerry would ask me, what is that language you were talking? But while speaking down front and Pastor Glasses in the altar, he turned and looked at me right there and he said, Michael, come here, I'll never forget it. And peering as if into my soul, he looked through my eyes into the depths of my soul and he said these words, God is preparing you. God is preparing you and one day you will step out and lead hundreds of people to the Lord. God says, understand my friend's still sitting there, I have seen you in the wee hours of the night, lying awake, crying out from your soul to me. When you thought no one noticed, I have noticed, says the Lord. I've called you and one day you will go forth. My friend was about that big now. He had no idea how this man knew, you know, what had gone on that he was privy to, that even my mom and dad wasn't. Two years later, and I would love to tell you that I answered the call to preach and I grabbed me a Bible and began to study the Word of God, but that's not how it happened. Two years later, I was a junior in high school, had moved across town to Jordan High School. God sent a young evangelist, 17 years old, I want you to get that, 17 years old, Reggie Spires from um, Kissimmee, Florida. He was there, and in that altar call through a move of the Spirit, through tongues and interpretation, he literally reiterated almost what pastor had said two years ago. That's when it got real to me, Brother Mike. I got real serious, and I put on my running shoes, and at this point, I began to run from the call of God on my life. I finished high school that year. Uh, I got married 28 days later on June the 30th of 84. On, uh, in December, I joined the Air Force without even telling my wife. I, I, I just 
joined and said I'll be gone on the 15th day of 85 or April in 85 and I was gone and God got me 1500 miles away from anybody I knew in order to isolate me so that he could deal with me are you willing is anybody willing to hear me this this morning I, I want to tell you something my dad said I don't know where you're going but I'm praying that you'll get stationed in Valdosta Georgia man that was the last place on my dream sheet there's eight places I tried for Seymour Johnson I tried for Charleston number one Patrick Air Force Base Eglin Air Force Base Tyndall Homestead all the Florida bases all the South Carolina bases nope Saints Michael David Moody Air Force Base Georgia I said, wow. So I thought, I seen God's hand in my life. We got there, we moved in, and it, and it wasn't like people today. Nowadays, people move and it takes them seven months to get a church. Well, I moved, and on Sunday, we were in church. The same Sunday of the week we moved. I got to church. Who is it I met the very first day? There's a little old lady with her hair up in a bun. Her name is Laura Glass. That's my senior pastor, Daryl Glass, who had prophesied over me. It's his mother. I said, how in the world can I go to the military, get stationed three hours away, and end up in the church with my pastor's mama? I took that as a sign. God was dealing with me. Uh, I, I, I never looked for another church. I never visited another church. I felt like this is where God wanted me, and there, that's where I was at. And I, why are you saying this, Pastor? I'm saying this because I'll bet you, while it may or may not be full-time ministry, it may be to preach, it may be to sing, it may be to counsel, it may be to be some leg of the church or, or to use your gifts and your calling and the tools God's equipped you with in ministry. I don't know what it is, but God has created every one of us, and He has a place, He said, in the body for all of us. And it's so important to you know that God is still calling people, because if not, if you don't get that, if you don't miss that, you, you could miss your calling. You could fail to realize that God is calling you. He is nudging at you. Listen, not just pulpit ministry, but whatever it is. And if you're not careful, you could wander aimlessly through life, not even realizing that God has a plan for you. I want to tell you what Jeremiah 29.11 says. Jeremiah 29.11 says, God says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Now, I know the plans that I have towards you. Good thoughts and not evil thoughts to give you an expected end. God has something in mind for every one of you. And I'm going to tell you something. God can take the circumstances that you've already experienced and use your life experience for the ultimate plan of your life. Just like my running into the military, my, my doing this. I'm running from God. And God said, that's all right. You can run from me, but you can't hide. I'll be there when you get there. Are you hearing me? Listen, you could indeed live a life of futility if you're not careful. You could live a life of dissatisfaction. Some of you are wondering aimlessly and wondering why this and why that. Knowing full well like Jonah, God had said, go to Nineveh. And you boarded a ship and went toward Joppa. That's another story. I'm going to read a text. I promise I am. Don't, don't get too carried away yet. I got one for you. But if you don't understand that God is still calling, you could live a life of dissatisfaction. You could live a life of futility. Or today, if you hear what I'm talking about, if you heed the call of God and, and you begin to, to draw near unto Him and He'll draw near unto you, you could live a life filled with potential and accomplishment in the kingdom of God. I believe God orchestrated 
camp meeting this year that Kelly and I would not stay in the Hampton Inn as we were planning to do. That we would not stay where we would normally stay, but we would stay in a bed and breakfast. And that we would eat breakfast every morning uh, with this particular lady. And we would meet a Methodist preacher from South Africa and his wife and children. His name was Peter. I could listen to him talk all day because that South African accent. And, uh, um, but um, he pastors a very conservative Methodist church. And um, he, I just asked him uh, the day before yesterday, I said, Peter, how, how did you get in ministry? How did, how, how did you arrive at where you are right now? I just wanted to understand, wanted to hear it. And he says in his language there and in his accent, he says, um, I was away from God. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know anything about Jesus. He said, but I had a friend of mine that I was in the army with, South African army. He said, my friend got deathly sick. My friend was ill, very sick. He said, so I carried him to a hospital. He said, when I carried him to this hospital, um, the doctors looked at him and they said, we will not see him. Basically, he's too far gone. And that's how it is. Peter pulled his firearm from his side and pointed it at the doctor and said, you will see him. You will see him now. And so they saw him. They wrote a transfer order to a hospital in South Africa where he could receive treatment. His kidneys had completely failed. He was dying. He was about to go from here. Nonetheless, his friend uh, got better. His friend somehow recovered and then got saved. His friend began to talk to him about Jesus. said to Peter, you need to meet Jesus, he says, listen, I don't know about Jesus. If it don't have anything to do with beer, you know, or women, I, I don't want to know it. I, I, I know all I need to know, and that is beer and women, etc., etc. And he said, but you need to meet this one named Jesus. And he said, I don't know anything about Jesus. I don't really want to know anything about Jesus. His buddy got on out of the service, and but they're in the field one day, and uh, he's in a bad way. He's in a real depressed state of mind. He's, uh, you know, just kind of reached the end, and he's on maneuvers. He's way out, and you know, in 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 the field. And he said, "Okay, Jesus, if there is a Jesus, if you are Jesus, I would like a loaf of bread. I'm hungry. My mind is messed up." But if you are Jesus, if there is a Jesus, if there's such a thing that my buddy's been telling me about, I would like a loaf of bread. And he said, we marched on to the next hill. And as I approached that hill, there was somebody who was doing something in the dirt and smoke was rising out. And he had made an oven in the ground. He was a baker by trade. And Peter walked up that hill and he handed him a loaf of bread. He said, I don't know why, but I just got a hankering to make some bread the way I used to make bread. Peter said, I said to myself, there must be a Jesus then. There must be something to this guy. And if, he's, if he can answer me like this, if he's done this, he must be calling me. He must want me to do something. He must want me to tell somebody else. And so what I'm saying is this. While you might be absolutely ignorant and unlearned about Jesus, Jesus still died for you. And he's still calling men and women and boys and girls today. So then you have to make a decision. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? 
when God calls your name. I've, I've told you my story. I, I was running from that call. I got to boot camp and I stayed there, you know, the time. I was gone 13, 14 weeks. I don't remember school and all that. I come back to Valdosta. I got in church. It was not an issue about paying my tithe. It was not an issue about being in church. I was doing all those things. But I was still out of the will of God. Because I had not answered the call that was on my life. Mind you, I was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, didn't make excuses, went to work days, went to all the things the church done, paid my tithe, done all of those things. But I was still out of the will of God. But God began to deal with me, and I began reading the Word of God. In fact, I bought a set of tapes. They were 90 minutes long each, 45 minutes on each side. I had an old-fashioned tape recorder that just sort of popped up, and it had a pause button. That was a fancy feature back then. And I bought me some highlighters and a roll of Charmin toilet tissue because I wanted to dab my highlighter so it didn't splotch up my Bible. Y'all understand? I still got that Bible. And I decided I'd do me a color code deal and everything had to do with being everlasting. I'd do green because of evergreen. Anything to do with heaven, I would write and, I'd highlight it in blue. Anything to do with a king, I'd highlight it in purple. Anything to do with the blood, I'd highlight it in red. I mean, I had me a system worked out and I said, I'm going to start in Genesis and I'm going to read. I began reading. I got all the way into the middle of Leviticus, the Levitical law. And I'm going to tell you, that's some good reading there, boy. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help somebody. It was rough. Finally, it drove me to my knees on my living room floor. My wife had already gone to bed. It was 29 years ago this August. I'd been running from God. I was tired. I was hurt. I had not been hurt in the church. No, I was hurt because of something self-inflicted. I was offended and suffering from disobedience in my own life. Nobody done this to me. I done this to myself. Running from God, but God was dealing with me. I had started on this course to read the Bible. I read one side of a tape, 45 minutes every night of my life. Whether Kelly stayed up or not, I read 45 minutes. But on this night I couldn't read. She's gone to bed. I'm working my way through the book and I just knelt down on the floor and I began to pray. I was so overwhelmed by the burden that I was carrying. I lay flat down face down in the living room floor. In fact, I got a picture of the house. I carried Josh and Sweaty this past week. That is not the house we built, if some of y'all are wondering. This was a rental place where I went. But on that picture window in the white section on the right side, closest to the door, three feet behind that door window, I laid in the floor facing that direction. And I called out to God like I've never called in my life. God, I'm miserable. I'm hurting. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And God said to me, you will never be happy until you do that which I have called you to do. And laying there, I had the audacity to say, what is that, God? And I knew it was the call to preach. But I want to tell you something, I was raised in the church, I knew how mean people could be. I knew how hard ministry really is. I didn't see the integral workings of ministry. I didn't see the nuts and bolts, the good, the bad, the ugly, the fake, and the phony, and the real, and all that. I'd been close to it all my life. But God said, you will never be happy. You will never be happy until you do what I've called you to do. And I, and I knew what it was. And as clearly as I'm standing on a stage today, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, turn to Jeremiah chapter 4. Can we turn there? Jeremiah chapter 4. 
And in Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse, or I'm sorry, Jeremiah 1 and 4, he said, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, uh, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And then said I, this was just what I was saying, Behold, I cannot speak, for I'm just a child. I'm just a youth. But the Lord said to me, He answered my very heart, Do not say that I'm a youth, for you might go. No, no. He didn't say might. He said, But you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Here's the next thing I was scared to death. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. The Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I have this day set you over nations and over kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. And I knew, although yes, God was talking to Jeremiah the prophet, I understood that, but I understood that God was right then validating in my own mind the call on my life that I had been running for for five years. And here's what I want to deal with this morning. It was right there on that floor when God said this to me. I'm going to tell you what I did. I had been doubting. I had been scared. I had listened to the lies of the devil as a 19-year-old boy. The devil sold me a bill of goods and I had missed my window. What? At 19, I missed my window. No. And God dealt with me. And I, here's what you got to get. God is still calling men and women and boys and girls into the ministry. He is still calling people to give their entire lives for the sake of the call and for the work of God. But I have found that so many people have offered up so many excuses God, I feel called, but this and that, and but, but, but what about this, and what, uh, what about my money, and can I really make a living doing this? I want to tell you something. If I'd asked myself those questions, I'd have never pastored. I would have never associate pastored. I would have never went to Valdosta after I got out of service. I made less than half of the money I made when I was serving in the, in the military. When I, when I left there, I made even less than that to be a senior pastor in a country rural church. When I left there, I made less than that to come here. I mean, my God, I'm going backwards. I'm getting older. I'm nearly 29 now. It's time to come here. I'm supposed to be climbing the ladder. Don't you know things work different in the kingdom of God? Every time I took a step backwards, it was only momentary. And God would raise me higher. I'm telling you, you don't think about it the way God thinks about it. I would have never came. I just would have, because it never made sense to me. But I, let me go on. I've got to stay in this vein for a moment. But so many are saying, can I really do this? Listen, I've seen over the years, people say, I'm called... God's got His hand on me, but they exhibit zero real evidence of such a conviction. Listen to me. When I got off that floor at 707 East Langdale Drive in Valdosta, when I got off that floor, I promised God I'd preach all my life. 
You hear me? I will preach all the days of my life. And I said, God, whether it be in Valdosta, whether it be wherever, I will preach the gospel because God has called my name. When I got off that floor, there was no question in my mind. And I'm going to tell you something. I've been through some dark days in the ministry. I've been through some hard times in my life. But I'll never forget the day God spoke to me on that living room floor. And God says, I'm still God. I'm the one that called you. I'm the one that established you. I'm the one that had my hand on you since before you were formed in your mother's womb. That gave me the gumption. That gave me the courage when men walked out, when women walked out, when people walked away. That gave me the fortitude to keep going because God said, I called you. The church didn't call. I love the church of God. Don't get me wrong. But they didn't call me. I love you, but you didn't call me. Amen. I love him. He called me. And one day I'm going to give an answer to him. As to how I lead people and how I lead the church. And Lord, Lord help me. Y'all, y'all stay with me today if you will. There's still something to be said for those people who will put their entire life in the hand of God and say, Lord, let me tell you something. At that time, on that floor, it was just me and Kelly. Adam would come within the year. Are you here? In fact, he might have been there at that time. Uh, Adam would come within the year. Two years later, Carly would come. When I went to Claxton, Georgia, when I got out of the military and decided to agree to, uh, to, to, to for $984 a month in pledges. And you know how faithful people are sometimes about their pledges. I had two babies. But I had the promise of God. Let me tell you something, friends. The math don't always work. If you're trying to figure it out mathematically, you ain't going to do it. You ain't going to do it. But I'm going to tell you, I serve a God that is able to keep me. And every time I went backwards and every time it looked stupid. I, listen to me. I had great men of God. Matter of fact, I had one right here. Ray Dawson, who pastors the Golden Isles Church of God, right there on exit 38. He's my, he's my pastor. He's a mentor. I called him. I sat right in our surf shop. He brought his entire staff down a few weeks ago. And we talked about life groups. I said, Ray, do you remember? I called him pastor. I said, Pastor, you remember? When you said to me, now, Michael, if God told you to go to Kingsland, I'll help you pack. But I done been down there doing revivals, and you better know this is God, boy. Amen. He said, I loved you enough to tell you the truth, son. Are you hearing me? Listen, so can I get, uh, I'm going to get mean anyway. I don't care if you say it or like it or what so I'm going to just do it here's the deal there's people called nowadays for titles and not towels oh if I can have me a big nice plaque on oak executive desk people kid me nowadays they say I want Adam and Josh to tour people around when they come to the church we, say, we want to introduce y'all to the eighth wonder of the world pastor's office it's got a nice lavish shower and it's a big old office and all that. And I thank God for it. I didn't order it that way. Yes, it was on the plans and I didn't object. All of these things, we, we talked about, here's the deal. There are those who say, oh, if I can have the executive suite, if I can do this, if I could do that, I'll go. If I can have a real polished title. But you don't really want to go all the places that that title will take you. Let me talk to you about a man named Jesus. After supper that night, he girded himself with a towel 
And he knelt down and he began to wash his disciples' feet. There are those who want to do ministry, but they don't want to get their hands dirty. Let me tell you, if you're going to be a doctor, you're going to have to get your hands dirty. If you're going to be a painter, you're going to get your hands dirty. If you're going to be a mechanic successful, you're going to get your hands dirty. And if you're going to do ministry, it is more than just a polished title and a mahogany desk and a big oak chair. You've got to get a towel. And you're going to deal with some hurting people and people that don't know which end is up. And you're going to deal with some people that don't love God and they don't love themselves and they don't trust anybody. You're going to deal with some people that have gone through so much hell on this earth it is unbelievable. And God has put us there for them. But nobody wants the towel. They want the title without the towel. No such thing. So stop making excuses. Moses offered four excuses. Moses said, Who am I that I should go? Who am I that I should go? And, you know, and God says, But I'll be with you. Moses said again, God, they don't know your name. God said, Tell them I am. Tell them I am. It is I am that sent you. Well, they won't believe me. He said, well, to cast down the rod you're holding and become a serpent, put your hand in your bosom. What I'm saying is God has said this. Stop doubting me. If I've called you, I will perform the miracles. I will show signs and wonders. I will go with you if you'll go in my name. Man, I'm talking to somebody. Lastly, Moses said, I'm slow of speech. I'm sort of tongue-tied. And God says, that's okay. Your brother can speak well. I still want you to go. What I'm saying is this, is when God calls, all the excuses in the world ain't going to make a difference to him. He has still called. When he had a great supper prepared, many, some said, you know, I bought a piece of land and I've got to go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I've got to go prove them. Let me ask you this, who would buy land they never saw? Who would buy five yoke of oxen, five Ford cars, or Chevrolets? Who would go buy five and have never seen them or drove them? Do you see the stupidity of the excuse? Do you see? Another says, I've married a wife and I can't go. All the excuses. And the Lord says, forget it. Those I've called, don't even worry about it. Invitation away. Go to the highways and the hedges. And get people. Let me tell you this. For people that will answer the call of God, God says, come on. But for those who will not, he says, stand aside. I've got a 12-year-old boy that I'm prepping right now. i got a little girl right now who loves me. i got a 16-year-old. I've got a 21-year-old. i got a 30-year-old. i got a 60-year-old. God says, just get out of the way. I've got somebody that will go in your stead. Wow. So, listen, if you answer that call... It'll change your destiny. It'll change your life. You could miss, if you're not careful, so important for you to make the decision. And you are going to make it. You will. By responding, you've said, yes, Lord, affirmatively, I'm there. And by doing nothing, you have said, no. Not me, God. Let me ask you this. If I look across the Scripture, I find a little boy... His name was Samuel. I wish I had time to tell you, but I don't. In Samuel chapter 3, this boy, he's the son of Elkanah and Hannah. 
He was brought up in the temple at Shiloh with Eli the high priest. He did not yet know God. The Bible said he lay down one night to sleep on the other end of the temple. And Eli was down here. Eli was raising him. He was being tutored by the high priest. Eli heard a noise. He heard somebody calling his name, Samuel, Samuel. He got up, didn't know what he was hearing. He took off and ran down the hallway to Eli and said, Master, you called me? Eli said, I hadn't called you. Go lay down again. Samuel ran back and got under the covers and lay down. As he drifted off to sleep, he heard his name again. Samuel, Samuel. He got up and ran. Went back down the hallway and he said, Master, you called me. I heard you. You said my name. And he says, no, I've not called you. Go back. He went again. Happened again. Samuel, Samuel. He ran back down the long hall and said, Eli, Master, you called me. I know I've heard it three times. Eli said, no, no, son. I didn't call you. But I know who did. He said, if he calls again... If you he, if he, if he hear your name again tonight, just say, speak, Lord. Your servant hears. He goes back and gets under his cover, and I don't know if he drifts off to sleep. But the Bible said the Lord came and stood as at other times before and said, Samuel, Samuel. And this time he said, speak, Lord. Your servant hears a young boy. God is still calling Young boys, young men, young women, old men, old women. Do something in Shiloh that'll make the ears of every Israelite tingle. I want to show you some things I'm about to do. And then a young boy the next day told a high priest that God was fixing to bring judgment to his own house because his son, Eli's sons, was sleeping with women on the temple steps. They were taking money from the offerings, taking more of the offering than that was supposed to be their portion. And God says, I'm about to bring judgment to the house of God. Long story short, Samuel said, yes, I'll go. And he became... The prophet of the Lord. He would later pour a hen of oil on King David. And the Spirit of God would leave King Saul and rest on David. Samuel would later prophesy he would be the prophet, the priest, and the judge of Israel, the last of the judges. He represented God to God's people. Samuel said, I'll go. Isaiah the prophet said, Hear my Lord, send me, I'll go. Jeremiah the prophet who became known as the weeping prophet. He said, I'll go. I'll go. Jesus says to the Father, I'll go. Paul said on the Damascus road, I'll go. John says, I'll go. Peter says, I'll go. What are, what are the implications of such a call? I wish I had time to deal with all of it. The Lord has just so saturated me with it. What are the requirements of such a call? Oh, it's going to take faith. It's going to take obedience. It's going to take your movement and your willingness. What kind of understandings is involved in this? Who called me? Who sent me? Who's in charge? Who, 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 what's the goal? What is the end game? 
What kind of adjustments am I going to have to make, Pastor? What about my living? What about my thinking? What about my excuses? As you stand with me, I want to remind you of a series we did last fall. We did a series that was authored by Pastor Stephen Furtick. Pastor Furtick wrote a series entitled Crash the Chatterbox. The chatterbox is all of that noise that's coming from either shoulder that says you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not strong enough, you're not educated enough, you don't have the clout, you don't have the pedigree, you didn't come from the right stock, etc., etc., and the lies go on and on and on. And that's not what God said about you, that's what you think and what other people have put in your mind. But Crash the Chatterbox, the ultimate end game was about hearing the voice of God above all others hearing the voice of God but what does God say and here's what I want to ask you to do right now heads are bowed and eyes are closed if you're here today and you say Pastor Mike I know that God is calling my name I know that God is calling my name let me be be a little more specific if this concerns ministry I want you to step out right now I know that God is calling my name how about you sir ma'am if this concerns ministry I know God is calling my name come on find the courage find the courage find the courage thank you for listening For more information, please visit us at harborwc.com.